Hi, welcome to another episode of the Andre the Beast Show. You know, every this is a new series that I'm putting out and it's called The Expendables. Let me explain to you what that means. It doesn't mean that expendable means that you're not useful anymore. It means that you bought some type of value and you're still bringing value to this day. Another uh, area of the beast state of mind playing forward. But expendables to me right now has to do with the fact that my whole career has been about athletics from semi-pro football player to an Olympic candidate to professional bodybuilder to entrepreneur. The guests that I'm bringing on to the Expendable series are guys that I looked up to, men and women that I looked up to in the sport of bodybuilding. And I want, I'm bringing them on to this show because they have a story. And a lot of times I can't tell my story because people that know me see me going in the gym and training and they really don't understand what that is really like and, and what it has, what you have to do to get to that pinnacle level of perfection in a sport that you don't have control over. Somebody else is judging how you should look, how you should be presented. With that said, I got two of my good friends on the show, I have Mr. Vinny Galante, and I what's have up? what's up, Vinny, and I also have John Simmons on the show. What's up, John? What's up, bro? So um, we're gonna go, just cut right to the chase, man. You know, uh, they might call us expendables, but but we know we're 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 uh, we're pavers. We we laid some 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 pay for these young bucks that's coming out. You know. <laughs> So we're going to start with John. John, tell me a little bit. Tell the, tell the viewers about how you even got started in bodybuilding. And don't leave out Wona Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. See, you want to go there? Yeah, we're going to go there. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, anyway, um, I, I first started out. It wasn't bodybuilding that I started out in directly. I started out in powerlifting. Okay. And I got into I got into that back in school, back in junior high, actually, back in Warner Robins. Okay. And uh, but the, what happened was, uh, my body started to to develop more like a bodybuilder during the process. Mm-hmm. And so, so one day my brother challenged me. He said, "I I don't think you got the you you got the guts to do a show." Oh. You know, and. That's where the whole process started. Okay. So, obviously, I went and did my first show. And at that time, you know, they gave out more awards. So, you got you got awards for best arms, best abs, best back, the whole shot. Right. So, my first show, my first show I went, I came in fourth place. And I won best arms and I won best, won best abs. Okay. So, that's, that's how it started out. But what happened was, by the time I got to high school, through Ronald Robbins, of course, We'll talk about Warren um, Robinson in a minute, and you guys' struggle on and off the field against my alma mater, Darty High Trojans. <laughs> that, that, that may be well. That may be so well uh, appreciated in in track only. We can, I'll give you that in track. I'll okay. give you that in yeah, track. Yeah, yeah. Fo- football is a whole different issue. You yeah, know that. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> football is a whole different world. But anyway... Um, that's how it started for me, you know, and from that point, um, after getting into, uh, 
uh, going to after I got into college, I got got into more serious lifting. I had to uh, get into more serious lifting regardless because I was in college playing football mm. at Eastern Michigan University. And um, my training just took off from there. Mm. Basically, I just kept training and doing the whole process, developing myself. And after school was over with is when I first, when I did a, uh, a first legitimate show. Okay. The difference between... Uh, the process of getting prepared then as it is to now is that when I came through, you pretty much had to learn what to do on your own. Right. And you learn that through trial and error. There wasn't so much information. There wasn't so much people who knew exactly how to guide you along the right way. Right. And, and, and just like, I'm sure you learned, you learned on your own. And yeah. It was a trial and error process. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that made, that made it, that made it hard, but at the same time, it made it, very, very refreshing because you learned as you went as you went through the whole process. Correct, correct, correct. So that basically, basically set me on the right track about what got me into it, you know. And um, the more I learned, the better I got at things, and my career took off from there. All right, Vinny, are we here? Tell me a little bit about how your journey started. Um, well, I was about uh, fifteen years old, and um, one of my best friends, longtime childhood friend Dino Nerney, and I. We used to take the bus uh, from Jersey City to Bayonne to go to go to karate. Okay. And we were doing karate for about a year. And one day, I walk right out the door, and I see Billy's gym, and I and I didn't even know it existed. I never saw it before. Right. I'm like, what is that? And I walked in the door. And I smelled the iron. I smelled the rubber. <laughs> yeah. And I was addicted right on the spot, addicted. Right. And I never went back to karate. And it turned out that um, the guy who owned it, Billy, his grandfather lived next door to me. And my dad at the time had bought me some weights. And we were, you know, I was putzing around in the garage and <laughs> lifting. And I had the... Uh, the sand weights, right? Not, no, not the sand weights. Uh, yeah, I did have the sand weights at first, and then he upgraded me to the regular cast iron weeder weights. And you had a little red thing that you you slide on and yeah. twist it. And, <laughs> right. So I was do, I was doing dumbbell presses one day, and um, the weights fell off, hit me in the face. Oh snap! He got rid of everything, and I don't know if you guys remember uh, the solo flex. Yeah, I do. So my father got me a solo flex, and it was bands. It was ahead of its time, but it was actually pretty good. But this is all going on at the same time, and I'm going to take karate. I fall in love with the gym, but I don't know. I can't go in because you have to be 18 years old. And um, my uh, the, the owner of uh, Billy's grandfather was next door to me, and I just walked up to him, and I said, you know, I'm 18 years old, but I can't drive. I was only 15. <laughs> I went there anyway. <laughs> I signed up, lied. I was. I told them I was 18 years old. And um, they didn't ask me anything. That was back in the 80s. Nobody cared. And um, I would take the bus every day to Billy's gym. And uh, these guys were telling me they were training for a show. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> like, it's a bodybuilding contest. And I'm like, I don't know anything about it. Right. And... Um, I said, okay, I'll enter it. They're like, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to go on a diet. You have to, you have to train for it. I'm like, well, when is it? It's in February. I said, all right. I said, well, it's like four months away. Can I do it? 
And they all just laughed at me. They were just like, yeah, whatever. So I went into it. I entered it. And um, I remember taking my posing routine very serious. Yeah. I remember taking the, the diet very serious. I ate McDonald's fish fillet sandwiches every day. Wait a minute. Wait, what? <laughs> no joke. <laughs> I'm 15, 16 years old. I don't know. These guys aren't helping me. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I did it. I took uh, third place out of three, and I was I was just blown away by the experience. And um, I don't know if you guys remember, um, I think in the 80s at the Olympia when it was um, – when it was in uh, Columbus, Ohio, where the Arnold is, uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Len Boslin. He used to MC. He had a very deep voice. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was friends with Billy Schultz, who owned Billy's. And Billy had him MC the show. And Len, Len, I just spoke to him the other day. He's 92 years old. And he still loves training. Really? Um, and we just, we talk every now and again. And, and he told my father that day, your son has the potential to be a good light heavyweight. Again, I had no idea what that meant. Didn't know. I didn't know anything. Right. Um, and New Jersey and New York was a hotbed for new, uh, for bodybuilding. And um, the gym I trained in at Billy's, I was very fortunate. I learned how to lift and train from the powerlifters and weightlifters. And I learned how to diet from the bodybuilders. The power rack, the squat rack was your church. That was the, the place you, you, you genuflected and you, you said a prayer. And you should be, in the, in, in, in the way I looked at it, from their point of view, was on leg day, you should be shit scared on leg day. You should be stressed out by the time you get to the gym because you know you're going to have a balls out. John, I heard you laughing, so you, you can relate and, to that too, huh? Yeah, oh, man. And, you know, that's just the way it was back in the day. And I see kids in the gym today, and like like John, John just said, it's like, you know, we learned how to do things on our own. Yeah, I had a lot of guys in the gym that taught me, but I also made mistakes, and I also uh, fixed them on my own. Right, and, yeah and had the guys help me out along the way. And, um, you know, I was 16 years old, winning my class at the Suburban Bodybuilding Championships, so 17, I think. Um, and Vinny, uh, is this you right here? I loved it. I loved it. Is this I you, Vinny? I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. And I am. Is that you right there in 1986, Suburban? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Holy smokes. 16 years old. Wow, that's crazy. So, so I'm going to ask you guys a question. Either one can answer the question. What are, you know, and you're right, when you walk into that that gym, uh, when you walk into that gym, that, that smell gets to you. But you know what, Vinny, I can relate to what you just said. My first contest actually started as a fluke. I got hurt during the Olympic trials and went into the gym, and the guy was like, you should bodybuild. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, bodybuild? What is that? And he's like, you know, start showing me a couple of magazines and, Started out with the one show. It was 15 in my in my weight class. And I took fifth, and it's funny. I got addicted from that moment. I was like, "Wow, this is yeah, I, yeah, it happens." I was like, "This is this is kind of cool because I felt like I was in control of of what I was doing." Now I'm like, "Okay, I'm getting judged by what I put out." So it's a different sport, but it's not a team sport. It's individual. So I'm responsible for the outcome of this particular 
uh, um, journey here. So, yeah. my, so my question is, uh, f- for either one of you guys, when you did your first show, how addicted did it become to you that you decided this is the road that I want to take? Instantly. That's a fact. What you have to realize, though, when you when you do your first show, and and it really has nothing to do with how how the outcome Whoa. comes about, you will know after after you walk off that stage if you're going to go back and do another one or not because two oh, yeah. things going to happen. Either you're going to do very well at it and 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 stick your chest out and say, "Yeah, I love this," or either you're going to stink and still say, "I love this," or say. Um, this sucks for me and, and, and go away. So even though I didn't play high in my first show, I knew that this was something that I wanted to, uh, to encounter and take on. So once you get past that first one, you'll know if this is going to be your journey or not, because that would dictate everything else that's going to happen to you for the rest of your future in that sport. Absolutely. Absolutely. When did, when did you guys, did, when did you guys make the transition to say, okay, this is no longer an amateur let me rephrase this because we see this a lot and you guys are all judges now so we can relate but first when you're not a judge or whatever you just you trophy hunt when so, when did when did the light click on that you go I'm tired of the trophies I'm ready to go for the for the for the big guns I want the pro card so I can like okay so in the beginning um and you know this is this is gonna be funny but in the beginning I got a lot of attention from the girls, right? And that was great for a little while. And I remember uh, uh, I remember clearly I was dating a girl and I was on a winning streak and she comes to see a contest and I don't even place in the top five. And I'm standing on the side to go out with the top five. And um, I was pretty cocky and arrogant thinking I'm going to be out there. I'm probably going to win this. And I didn't make top five. And it clicked in my head that moment, like, who am I doing this for? Right. What am I doing this for? And I was very fortunate that my father had um, a very good business sense. He owned a, um, a taxi and limo service for th- over 32 years. So he ran a business and he looked, he said to me one day, if you're going to do this thing, if you're going to do it, give it a hundred percent, but I don't mean a hundred percent in the gym also. I mean, I don't mean 100%. I don't mean 100% in a gym alone, but you also have to apply how how are you going to get into a magazine? How are you going to get on a cover? How are you going to get all of those things? And um, you know, back in the day, right before it got big, there was a period, John will John could tell you there was a period where nobody had contracts, nobody had anything. And right. then there was a good period right before I would say social media hit that you had, you had the opportunity to get good contracts. When social media came around, it went to the toilet and went down. But what I would do is I'm moving forward a little bit, but when I was going into the nationals or, okay, so John and I win our classes at the USA and Sean Ray came up to me and said, you need a year or two to build your physique a little bit more. However, this win tonight can skyrocket you for the next two years with guest posings and magazine covers and guest posings. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I said that already, guest posings, seminars, all that stuff. So what I did was I would write to every, everybody, every name in Flex Magazine, Muscle and Fitness, Muscular Development. Uh, there was a magazine at the time called MTI, Muscle Training Illustrated. And I would just write to everybody and I would put together a little packet and send it to everybody. Unfortunately, nobody ever wrote back. But, <laughs> but one day I landed a photo shoot and with um, John, correct me if I'm wrong here, Jason Mathis. Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah. I landed a photo shoot with Jason Mathis and my work ethic was he told me at the time was better than anybody's ever worked with. I didn't deviate from the photo shoot. I didn't walk away. I held my stomach in. I, I just did what he asked me to do. I didn't complain. I was there for hours. I didn't eat, but I did the photo shoot. And that caused a reputation for me to get other photographers involved. And so every time I would go to, a, go to the nationals, I would contact photographers, tell them that I'm going to be in town after the nationals, I would do this on my own dime. I pay my own way. And I would do probably 10 days worth of photo shoots at Gold's Gym. And then, you know, next thing I know, all through 94 to 2001, um, I landed on about 30 magazine covers, a, a lot more features in magazines. Um, I ended up with Universal Nutrition Animal, Animal, Animal Pack for 18 years. So I looked at it as a business, mm -hmm. and I approached it as a business. I'll tell you a funny story that was also a wake-up call. Just before Universal signed me, I was with um, – I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to make him look bad, but I was with a guy. We were down in Florida. We were guest posing, <laughs> and um, I was so excited. I just landed a, con uh, uh, a commercial with Twin Lab, and – he tells me he's excited for me and he's happy for me and all of that. Right. I said, yeah, I start to shoot next Wednesday when I get back Monday, I get home. I find out he's got the commercial. I don't because he was a contracted athlete and I wasn't. So he made a phone call. And from that moment on, I realized just keep your mouth shut. Never tell anybody what your business is. And after that, if I ever had anything in the pot soon, I would never tell anybody until it was already done. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, it's you know, it's a it's so many different avenues that lead you to where you're trying to get to. You know, just like Vinny said, everybody's got a different story, a different path. Some guys have a higher uh, a higher threshold of how fast they want to get there, and some guys have a different way of wanting to attain it. But after a show or two, if you do well, and um, you go to a national level show and you think that, okay, I, I think I can do this. I think I'm good enough to do this with, with a little bit of time. I think after I did the, uh, after I did the junior USA and, uh, at Rutgers university and I won the mm -hmm. light heavyweight class and I won the light heavyweight class. And, I, and after that show, I realized then, okay, I can probably do very well at this, but you have to get past the big hurdle. And what I mean by that is, you have to get past the USA, the North Americans, or the Nationals. Right. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And that's not that's not, now you got to understand. There was no class winners turning pro. You had to win the overall. You had to win the overall. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
overall to get there. It was a whole different world then. So yep. it was nothing like they giving out, they giving out pro cars nowadays like cheese sandwiches. That's not that's <laughs> not how it was then. You know, it's it's a whole different end. So, um, and Vinny can tell you it wasn't. And then too, you had guys that were stacked. These classes were stacked, 25, 30 guys each. Yeah. And it was not process. So it's a whole different kind of issue. But the point being is that I realized then, even going up against some great quality competition, I realized after I went to my first national show, which was the uh, USA, and I placed third in that show at that time, uh, John Sherman won the light heavyweight class and and, and uh, Flex Wheeler won the overall. And I realized then, I said, okay, I can do very well. I guess, you know. And I, I started to focus more on the process of getting better at what I was doing. Now I had to post during the whole process. My, 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 my process was a little bit different from Vinny's. I was still working completely full time at the whole time of doing it. Um, I was on the police force at the time and I worked, you know, we had to rotate shifts. One month I'd be on days, one, one month I'd be on afternoons and one month I'd be on midnights, all during the process of getting ready for a show. Mm-hmm. And that's not an easy thing to do. But the point being is that I knew I had the potential to turn pro at it. And I said, I just got to bide my time and just, just keep going at it. Keep going at it. You know, after I got done with the junior USA, like I said, then I got involved with more muscle mag magazine out of Canada. And I started, I got assigned with them and I was with them during the whole process, even after I turned pro. So I didn't really, I didn't really have a, have a hard road to get people's attention, you know, it, it pretty much came along with the work that I did, but you had to earn it still. It wasn't mm-hmm. nothing fell into your lap. You know, it was a hard work and you had to earn that work. So that's the way it was for me. But I just, I just knew that by the time I got to a national level show that um, if I go into this show and hold my own, if I go into this show and do very well at it, that's my ticket to saying that if you stay with the process and do the things the right way, done, you'll get there. And that's what led me to it, and that's what took me all the way to the top. So it was, a, it was it was a good process. It was a, it was hard, but you know, nothing is. If you want something, it's never going to be easy for you. Let me ask you so guys a question was, too. It wasn't an easy process, but it was it was it was well worth the work. All, all that went into the whole process to get there. When yeah. um, what was what was one of the what was one of the most difficult shows that you went to, and you felt you should have won. I mean, we all feel that way, but, and not only did you feel you should won, but really almost like what Vinny said, it humbled you because I remember at the, um, junior nationals, I was on point and, um, during the, um, after the prejudge, I made the, I made the, I made the cut to come back the next day. And I used this stuff called Dream Tan. Never will forget it. You know, and they was going to offer me a contract. And I put the stuff on, and, and I came back the next day, and uh, James Trap Rope and all the judges came up to me. And it's like, I didn't know. What happened was I didn't get called out for the second round. I didn't get called out for the third round. I get caught out on the fourth and a tear is trying not to whelp up in my eyes and I'm freaking out. And I knew right then because I had never not placed. And when I got off the stage, they called out the top five and I went to the window and the judges came up to me and they said, Andre, what, what happened? I was like, what do you mean? They said, you was as smooth as butter. 
and I then they looked at me and I wasn't, but I had used that dream crap. And I'm gonna tell you how low I was. I literally got in my Porsche and was gonna run off the road. And I got a phone call. And my friend Felicia said, Hey, cool. I some just told me to call you. And I said, I, I was it was raining. I was getting ready to just run my Porsche off the road. And because I had never not placed. But it took me a minute to, to sit back and I realized, why would you do that when you got 35 guys here and they didn't even, only 15 of you guys made it and at least you placed, but you didn't get the top five. It made me more hungrier to get ready for the, the North America. That's when I met Vinny, saw Vinny. It got me prepared for the next bigger show, but it was a very humbling moment in my life or maybe a reflection. Tell me a moment that that happened to you guys. Um, for me, I, you know, uh, I think more, more along the lines, the, um, the moment. Oh, so my whole career, I was, I was naturally a middleweight up until 1995. And I, I never had to, um, never had to make a weight class. Didn't even know what to do to make a weight class. And here comes, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, 1994. I apologize. 94. I just win the USA the year before. 94, I'm training my butt off, and I want to, I'm want. i going into the Nationals. And uh, one week before the contest, you know, the, the middleweight class is a, a 176 and a quarter cutoff. Right. And the year before, I was 169 in that picture you just put up, 169 pounds. And fast forward a year later, well, a week, a week before the Nationals in, in 94, I was 181 pounds okay. and um, I had no idea what to do to get a, get to 176 pounds. And um, I can't recall what I did, but, you know, I probably cut my water out. I, I don't know. I probably eliminated what, that's what guys did back then. And um, I ended up taking fifth place in the middleweight class. I just barely made 176 and, um, yeah, I was upset and, you know, first I was like, oh, the judges suck and this is bullshit. And, but then I had to reflect on myself and I'm like, all right, look, you made the mistake. You were, you should have entered the light heavyweight class. You should have moved up to light heavy. But in my head, I wasn't mentally ready for that. I wasn't ready to be a, a light heavyweight. I didn't need, it was like a whole new chapter for me. Right. You know, we're, we're bodybuilders and what we do is we build and, um, that week, I didn't build. I took everything up. I destroyed everything that I built for the year. That was my one of my only uh, – well, I've had others, but this was the most um, uh, devastating, if you will, where it was, like, embarrassing. Like, I just took – I just won the USA. Now I'm taking fifth. Yeah. And I'm very hard on myself. I'm very hard on myself. And like what John said a moment ago, too, with a stepping stone to all the national titles. And I don't know, John, in your area where you grew up, but – here in New Jersey and New York, especially in New Jersey, um, it was prestigious if you win the Suburban Bodybuilding Championships, the New Jersey State Championships. It was a precursor to the Junior USA, then right. to the USA, then to the Nationals. Right. And and back in the 90s, and I don't mean any disrespect, but you were a scrub if you went to the North America, right? 
It wasn't really he Really? I didn't know that. Take it serious. It wasn't like guys here in New Jersey was like, I ain't going to the North America. I'm training for the USA Internationals. No disrespect. It was just, it was like, that's the mindset and that's the way we rolled. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure on the guys here in New Jersey back in the 90s. Um, we, 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 we had, there was a lot of like turmoil in a sense, like guys didn't like each other because, you know, but in a friendly way, right. in a competitive way, not in a real, you know, I, you know, but um, yeah, there was some, you know, there was, there were different cliques and schools, you know, in the sense of like uh, this group and that group, different gyms. Um, but I, I kind of got along with everybody and then heard they talk shit about me behind my back. Cause like, they were like, say, uh, you know, what the hell's, uh, why is Vinny Galanti getting all this publicity? But they didn't know the backstory right. behind it where I would do all my work to contact photographers and make a living out of it. And that it became a job to me, you know? Right. And I also, John, I also, I, I did work for the Jersey city parking authority while I won the USA and did all the national shows. I was drilling holes in the ground uh, for parking meters and yeah. snowplow removal. I, I worked, I had a manual labor job. John, what was one of the devastating moments in your, your career that you can remember? Well, I think I think it was after uh, after I went to the uh, the Junior USA and won my won the light heavyweight class. So you on a roll, and then from there, um, I go to the uh, I go to the North Americans and I win the light heavyweight class there. And then all of a sudden, um, I go back to the Nationals for the first time, and okay, then now now I'm in a whole different world. Yeah. But, you know, you're on a high. So um, I go to the Nationals and I place seventh. And I'm like, whoa, man, this is, this is, a, world. This is a completely, yeah, completely different world. The thing about it was um, it, that you know what you were up against. And even though I didn't do as well as I thought and I thought I should have done better, I kept it together. I was saying, um, you got to understand, too different processes here you at the nationals now you got guys who are coming back here two or three years and some of them come back four or five years even longer than that sometimes they never get anywhere mm -hmm. so you got you got the best of the best trying to get over the hurdle mm -hmm. and i had to realize that also even though you may feel like okay i'm just as good as they are that may very well be but that's not always the case here sometimes even if a guy may be just as good as you are but if he's been there two or three times and the process and the whole system realizes that more than likely, uh, he's going to get denied because yep. in, a, in a lot of people's mind, he paid his dues. Hey, but check this out. Check this out, John. Check this out. And you also got to take into consideration that it's a lot different back when we were competing because, like Vinny said, if you wasn't on the cover of a Flex magazine or you didn't do your due diligence, you was you was pretty much the favor going in. So that's who you was like. If he was in your weight class, you go, wow, but let's go a little bit deeper than that. I remember, I remember when Flex Wheeler was the favorite to win. I think of the Junior National National, and who came out of the woodwork that nobody ever heard of, Kevin Leverone. Yeah. So you got the guys that you never even heard of that came out of the woodwork, and you go, "Holy crap, where did this guy come from?" And now you don't throw a wrench in it because we didn't have social yeah. media. Yeah, I, absolutely right. But see, the thing about it was, you got to understand too. That was pure. That was pure innocence. That was pure truth. Because you didn't have social media hyping these guys up. Nobody knew what these guys looked like. So when you got to the show, 
it was what you saw. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So there was no, there was nothing to say other than other than if you had magazine coverage, like Vinny said, if you got the magazine coverage, okay, that was your publicity. Right. You know, we didn't have this what we have now. But that's what you had to go on. But see, it was more innocent then because like you said, you get a guy come out of the woodworks, he gotta be phenomenal yeah. to come out and be the guy that's on the cover. But, right. but the thing about it was it was done the right way without any hype of saying, okay, this guy's a major favorite. Let's let's concentrate on him. Right. That was not the case then. Right. That wasn't the case with us. Every man was for himself. Either you beat me or you didn't. Right. You know? Oh, it yeah. was nothing it was nothing between about um um how much time has he spent on stage, any anything like that. If you came out, if I came up against Vinny and Vinny looked looked as good as I did, and I don't know him from Adam uh, except for seeing him on the stage. But if he came to the show and looked better than me, um, even though he may have had the process of getting all this publicity, and I come out of the woodworks and say, okay, say, this guy looks just as good as he does. Okay, I can understand it. Me and this guy are fighting to do the, to do the job right. I didn't get there or he didn't get there because he had a whole bunch of uh, publicity behind him other than what you got from a magazine. Mm. That's all we had to go on. You know, I loved it when it was that way. I'm not really, I'm not really high on a whole lot of social media hype because I think it takes away from some of the hard work that people should put in to get where they need to go. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely. Think it takes away from some of that, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways. But then too, on the other flip side of the coin, it does you a lot of justice. Right. So you have to look at it both ways. What's more important? What's more important? Is it is it to hype a guy up so that he does better, or is it to hype a guy up and give him the nod because he can go on his path laurels that he's done. Right. So it's a whole different it's a it's an equation to look at when you're dealing with something like that. I'm a I'm gonna say something to Vinny and I'm gonna address you too, John. And I told Vinny when we was off the air, uh, I remember meeting him at the um, at the North America, and as we was getting getting ready, I looked at him and he had already had the publicity. So my mindset was like, okay, he's gonna he's he's the, he's the favorite going in. But he was in a weight class above yeah. me because I didn't understand the kilos because I actually would have had been competing against him. But I did what Vinny did. I died it up, but I had to go in that ladder class because I was one pound away that I couldn't shed during the, during the weigh-in. But I told Vinny this, and, and, and that's one reason why I contacted him to be on the show because I admired his physique. He just had this classic Bob Paris type look that you know just streamlined and I remember telling Vinny he probably don't remember this as he was getting dressed I said hey man I said you know I introduced myself to him I said you know I'm a big fan of yours I said and you know what I'm gonna go out there and watch you because his class was after mine and I remember telling him I said man you won the class I'm not a judge because I'm I'm still a competitor I said but I don't see nobody beating you and I remember the two people that that impact the three people that impacted me at that contest it was the first time they had a super heavyweight. That's when Dave Palumbo was there. And Dexter Jackson came out of nowhere. And I was like, holy smoke. That's going to be the next. Seriously. I saw Dexter Jackson, and I was like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Vinny, you look, you, you look great. But when your boy came out, I knew hands down, there's nobody. And I, let me repeat this. And that's no disrespect to you, Vinny. But I looked at that dude. And I don't know where he came from, but there's nobody here that can beat that boy. Nobody. 
So how does that make you guys feel when you go to a show like that and you just look at it? I even had to take a back seat, and I was competing. I was like, this is the clear winner. Well, um, I never look at anybody. That's the key. That was um, an accident, me looking at him, because I was already off of stage. <laughs> I was in the audience. I, um, you know, this is going to sound like a typical bodybuilder, you know, sarcastic or arrogant, but, you know, I have my game face on. Right. I'm there to do a job. I just trained 12 weeks, and I'm not going backstage to get anyone's attention. I'm not going backstage to pay attention to anybody. Um, but, you know, I just try to keep my focus and, and uh, you know, do my best on stage. I remember uh, when I uh, – so this is kind of what you're saying a little bit in a different way. Dave Palumbo did my program for the 2008 um, Masters Nationals, which was uh, in July that year, and um, we worked together the whole – you know, 12-week prep. And I just remember there was... More, he paid more attention to another competitor, to to another competitor he was training, who was in my class, and I didn't realize it, that he was uh, tra- having somebody else in the, in the show. So I was really by myself. Right. And I felt, I felt alone. I felt like, well, you can't come over for me, to me for a second. So I remember going over into that little corner of all the group of guys that was, and um, there's no disrespect to Dave or the competitor. The guy was Delron. I think he ended up taking fourth. And, uh, you know, they got their game faces on too. And I think at the time, nobody expected me to bring my A game. Right. I think that, you know, it was a few years had passed that I wasn't competing. And, you know, I'm making a comeback in a sense because, you know, back in the Nationals, I competed in the Nationals like 10 times. It took me 16 years to turn pro. Um, just like John was saying, like today to give out pro cards, like cheese sand, ham, ham and cheese sandwich, right? It's like, just, you know, it's a business and right. they got their game plan. So I'm backstage. No one's paying attention to me. I felt a little like taken back, like going into that corner. And um, I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm, I'm wanted today. And I walk away do my thing. I pump up and I win the entire show. I win the overall, get my pro card. And it's funny, like how tides turn, right? Like you get people backstage, there's photographers back there. They're, they're taking pictures of everybody. All the magazines were back there. I think that was one of the last years that magazines were backstage. They don't have that anymore. And um, nobody paid attention to me until I walked off stage after the night, you know, when it was over mm-hmm. and, I, and I got a pro card and then, you know, I got in all the magazines again. So that was cool, but it was like a weird dynamic, you know, it was like kind of weird, like, Hey, this is kind of weird. Why is nobody paying attention to me? I'm dead serious. I, I trained really hard for this thing. So yeah, kind of weird kind of, kind of thing was uh, not used to. What are you going to say, John? Well, as far as for me, you know, it's all in preparation for me. You know, I'm a, I'm my own worst enemy. Um, I feel like if my prep has been good, everything is on point, and I know I've done the very best that I can do, my confidence level is going to be through the roof anyway. So it's not, it's not 
the fact of who else may show up. I could care less. If I know I've done the very best that I can do and I'm going in prepared 100%, you know, I'm going to feel the, the, the highest concentration of confidence that I've ever felt because I know I've done all I can do and I know I'm ready for it. Now, if somebody comes in and they're better, so be it. But I don't go into it saying, okay, you know, uh, there may be a chance that somebody could do it for me. I don't think like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I will, I will, I'm a realist at the same time. Right. I go into a show, like you said, and I see somebody that's outstanding, mm-hmm. and I'll say, okay, I'm my only person over here. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. right. So, and, and that has happened to me before when I did the, and, and here's the reason why I picked a certain picture that I sent in, that I, that I sent in. That's the, that's the picture from the light, when I was still a light heavyweight at the, at the uh, USA. This one right here, John? And uh, that picture right there. Now, the reason why I picked that picture is because Vinny won his class at that show, and I won the light heavyweight. And that put us pretty much on the same parallel. But the thing about it was, and I don't think he felt the same any different than I did. You know, when your confidence level is good and you go into a show no matter who's there, and that lineup at, that, that we had at the, at the, uh, at the uh, USA that year, you know, they were some stellar guys. You know, they were yeah. very, very good. But the point being is those guys in each, each one of the classes had already placed um, at some other national show, two, three, four, whatever it may be. But like I said, with the, with the way I felt with my approach to things, it didn't bother me who was there, who showed up. You know, if I went into my show feeling 100% confident, that's all that mattered to me. And I let the chips fall where they made. I'm going to ask. You know, I'm now, a- only, the only show, the only show where I really felt like there was somebody that just blew me away before I hit the stage. That was when the, uh, the tank, Sherman Tank. Yeah, yeah, hit the yeah. Tank, hit, the tape, hit the stage at the Nationals that year when I was there. I placed... I played fifth, and he and he blew everybody away. I said, "Okay, that's it. That's the man right there." You know? <laughs> I'm gonna ask you guys a question you know, too. That's just, that's just how it goes, man. I'm gonna ask you guys a question before we. There's like two more questions I want to ask before we before we wrap up. You guys are, are yeah. professional now. You got your pro cards. Uh, what was it like to? What was the? What uh, either one of you can, both of you can answer the, the questions. But this is the question, two part questions. You get your pro card, and um, John, you know where I'm going, so I'm gonna start with you first. So we talked about this. Yeah. Knowing what we know now, uh, no unions. We know what it costs to be in this sport. We know the ins and outs, but you got a pro card. And you and you go there, and you're the best of the best, and you you place let's just say tenth, and you get a thousand dollars. What's going through your mind, John? Well, well, and and pretty much that's reality. Okay, reality has to set in at some point. Even though now here's here's the way here's my approach for it was when I turned pro, I didn't change anything in my lifestyle at all right away. Mm-hmm. Because I had no idea, I had no idea which way this was going to go, which way, which which road this is going to take me down to. Right. So, you know, I never, I never, even even though things got good for me, it got lucrative, and and it and it paved the way for 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 what I have in life today. Right. I never ever let everything go and fill up one bucket and left the other one empty. Okay. I didn't look at it. I didn't look at it from that approach. And I hope. And I hope even even to this very day. As far as that process goes, those things don't change. There is no guarantee that you're going to make a dime when you turn pro. 
Right. It's not. You have to earn that. Right. That right. doesn't. Just, that's not going to fall off trees like an NBA contract. You know, that's guaranteed money. Right. We don't have that. Right. We don't have that. I would like to see the day come when, when you know, athletes can sign a contract. I mean, I know some guys do have signed a contract and they need to be paid for. But when you know for a fact that you can get more out of what you're doing than just scraping by or saying that I came into the show and I placed third and I made 2500 bucks. We cost me 3000 to get ready. <laughs> so, so, yeah. In my point. Yeah. So there's nothing guaranteed. I don't, I just don't feel like any athlete coming into it to just say, okay, this is my goal. I'm going into it with this. This is it. I've hit the jackpot. If you had that kind of attitude, there is a very, very high chance that you will be disappointed somewhere down the line. Vinny, what you got to so, think about that too? Um, my story is a, a lot different. Um, I compete, like I said, I did the nationals like nine or 10 times. Right. And when I did the 2008 masters nationals, I did it as a warm up, so I could make a big impact in November for the nationals. Right. And, um, Steve Weinberger came up to me on stage. He handed me the trophy, put my hand in the, my arm in the air, and he said, duplicate this next year in your first pro show. And it just was like, pro show? I got the Nationals in November. So next thing I know, I'm on the phone with uh, Bob Chicarillo. Yeah. And I was telling Bob that I wanted to not, I wanted to not take my pro card because I didn't deserve it. He's like, what are you talking about? I said, I won the Masters Nationals. I didn't win the Nationals. I don't deserve it. He's like, Vinny, you just got your pro card. I'm like, yeah, but Bob, I didn't win the USA or the Nationals. I got to win the Nationals. And he talked me out of it. I was, I was already going to call the IFBB office and say, I don't want my pro card. A lot of people say, you're crazy. But that's, that was the magnitude of how prestige the, the Nationals were back then. And... Um, so fast forward, I do I do a couple of pro shows, and I'm not looking at the fact that like my first pro show, I believe it was the 2009 Pittsburgh Pro. I was a little off. I take I took seventh. I was nervous. I was holding a little bit of water. But two or three weeks later, I did the New York Pro, and I was I was solid. I was ready. But I took seventh, and to me that was failure. But I didn't realize that four of the guys ahead of me were in the Olympia in the top five the year before. Mm. So I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at, you suck. You now are not good anymore. You just entered a whole new territory. And just like John said about him winning in the, in the North America, and then he goes to the Nationals and takes seventh, it's a different ball game. So I thought, okay, this is a different ball game. And I tried harder, and I tried harder. And then the harder I tried, the worse I got. And everybody was like, telling, you know, I, and this is a point ne never in my career that I ever listened to anybody until now. And then I started listening to people. Got to get bigger. You got to get bigger. And my what I was known for, a small waist and wide shoulders, it was they were disappearing. My waist was getting bigger and my shoulders were getting narrower and my placings were getting worse. And I led into some pretty bad depression. And I, I said, the hell with this. I quit. I'm done. And 2013 was like the worst, the worst, most horrible condition I ever, ever was in. I, I walked away from the sport and uh, came back in 2018 
and uh, yeah, 2018 to compete. And um, I took uh, dead last in the Masters Baltimore Pro, and it was a shell of me. I continued training the whole year, and I came back last year, and uh, I was signing the contracts for the Masters Pittsburgh Pro. And my wife says to me, you're going to enter the 50 and the over 40? I said, yeah. She goes, Vin, you, are you sure you could place in the, in the top the over 40? I'm like, oh, man. I said, listen, if I just win the over 50, no one's going to give a crap. No one cares. I got to win both. And it turns out I win both, and I'm the only guy that has ever done that. So I'm proud of that. And, you know, um, my next step is that to kind of redeem my 2013 year, mm-hmm. I don't care about the placing. And there's a story to that. And we could do that another time. But I want to go into a 212 show um, to close that door, close that chapter, redeem myself. Just a personal thing. I, I, I'm not unrealistic. Like John saying he was never unrealistic about if there's somebody better in a show. Um, I've, 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 I've been up against guys like that who were better than me. And I, when, when, when I had my A game and somebody was better than me, just because you're great and it's you're in your best condition ever, doesn't mean you're going to win. It, it just means that somebody better didn't show up or somebody better is going to show up. And I'm, I'm realistic with that. So I want to do a two twelve show. And probably after that, I'll stick to, um, the master's. And, you know, I'm going to be 54 years old next April. And um, I still love this stuff, man. Before my feet hit the, you know, floor every morning, every morning I wake up and I think about what am I training? I'm, I'm 54. I'm going to be, and it is me in my basement. I'm 53 years old and I still think that way. I don't know, I'm nuts, right? So I'm still that 16 year old kid that walked into Billy's back in 1983. Mm. <laughs> All right, guys, before we wrap up, let's go back to John. We want to tell the viewers what you guys are doing now besides training. You guys definitely are doing something um, uh, constructive. So let's start with John first. John, what are you doing now uh, outside of steel training? Well, um, I got a lucrative, pretty good training business going at the the time. It's been pretty stellar for some years now. And – you know, I promote two shows a year. Tell us about the shows and how we can find those shows and contact you uh, if people want to know more information about the show and, and your training services and things that you have to offer. Yeah, well, it's two two national qualifying shows that I put on every year, and uh, usually the, the John Simmons. The one is John Simmons Classic, and the uh, the other one is the show that I team up with, uh, and it's just pretty recent here that I teamed up with uh, Miss Olympia, Linda Murray. Her show is, we're putting the show together, and it's going to be in August. Mm-hmm. So my show, one show is in May and one is in August. And uh, besides the fact that uh, the training business is going well, you know, I promote posing clinics every month. And um, other than that, um, I will do some, just some outside work on the side a little bit with the security stuff that, I, that I've that been trained in. So, but it, it, it's, it's keeping me well-versed and keeping me well-secure. You know, I have nothing to complain about, but business is well, and it's been rolling smooth for some years now, so it's it's all been good for me. Is this the show, John? We're pulling up on the screen right now. Can we get it up, Jason? Is this the show? Yes. Okay. And, yes, that's it. Okay, so they can 
check you out and contact you through uh, the information that's on this. We'll put it on the website. I mean, not on the website, but we'll, we'll post it on the um, on the podcast too as well. Can you see it, Jason? There we go. And this is the one that's that has Linda Murray with you. No, that's the, that's the one I do a, I do alone. The one with Linda Murray is 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 uh it's not until uh it's not until August. If we come back on again, I can have different information that'll promote that. Okay. You know, if that comes out before because we got we don't know how things going to roll up for next year anyway. So right. everything's kind of in the air right now, you know. Okay. So we're going to have to wait and see how it goes, but yeah, so it's some good things in the makings for next year and um looking to add another show to it if if everything goes well. So it's going to be pretty it's going to be a pretty good year. Don't go nowhere. Vinny, let the viewers know what you're doing right now and if there's something we need to let the viewers know that you're doing. So, uh, so John, I can tell you that um, I know a really good guest poser that needs a job. <laughs> <laughs> I can guest pose your show. <laughs> yeah, I got so, you, man. You're already, you're already ahead of me. I, I was already thinking that anyway. All right, cool, cool, cool. So, uh, you know, everybody can contact me at Vinny Galanti underscore on Instagram. I'm doing, you know, same thing that John's John does. Guest po- um, guest posing, um, teaching posing, and a lot of training clients. Uh, uh, you know, the COVID was this whole lockdown and the quarantine. You know, really put uh, a hold on everything. But I managed with uh, with stuff like this with Zoom and doing clients online. Um, but yeah, I'm available for personal training. I'm in New Jersey, and you can reach me on Instagram at Vinny Galanti underscore. Before we leave, I'm going to leave it with Vinny right now, and I'm going to go back to John. Uh, and I ask this with all the, the um, guests on the show. We all dealing with a lot of stuff going on in the world, from being having to get shut in to uh, not racial tension, the whole nine yards. Vinny, leave these people with something positive right now. Like I said a second ago, before I hit the floor every morning, I think about training. But the second thing I think about is um, – how um, grateful I am and grateful to do what I do. And I actually do say a prayer before I go to bed and when I wake up in the morning. Um, I belong to a men's Christian club uh, group in Ramsey, New Jersey. And, you know, I'm part of a, um, a, a cornerstone where we set up a whole weekend and I'm all about positive uh, Christian lifestyle. And I, you know, I, I, I know you guys are not the same color as I am. That would be stupid to say I didn't, I don't see that, but that doesn't mean I judge you or you judge me. And I don't understand that thinking. I've grown up with all black guys and, you know, women and Spanish, Puerto Rican, whatever. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter to me. I, all, all I care is about treating people good, being positive and, I always, always, always take a step back when someone's in a bad mood and I say, it's not me. They're, they got something going on in their life. And if I can't lend a helping hand, then I just back off and let them go through their day. Um, and I think we need more of that in this life, in this world. You know, um, I'm humbled and I'm blessed. And I'm, I'm thank, I thank you for inviting me on the show. And, um, you know, I, I really am truly blessed that I could do what I'm doing still for the thing I love, you know, the last 30 something years, 35 years. So I thank you. John, leave the viewer something to, to, to remember. Well, I think, I think what I would like for the people to, to, to remember 
and to not just remember, but to keep in the back of the mind, especially nowadays when we're going through these these epidemics, not just the epidemic that we're going through with the virus. There's so many other issues that have uh, made a lot of people feel this in despair. You know, I think, though, in my life, what I would like for people to realize, and I guess I feel this way is because, you know, when you do the best you can do to take care of yourself, when you do the best you can do to stay healthy, when you do the best you can do to stay on top of things and you run across someone who's don't have the intensity with, with how to deal with life, don't have the drive to do it. And you see so much more of that nowadays, you know, mm -hmm. people are really feeling dejected about the way, the way things are. So, you know, in my life, what I always tell people is that once you start to feel like you're starting to slip down or you start to think that, you know, I should be into a, a, another situation in my life. And just like Benny said, you know, I try not to leave home as much as I possible before I leave out from a day without hitting my knees. That's, a, that's, that's just how it goes. Mm -hmm. You know, first of all, I like mm -hmm. more people to do that. That's, that's always the number one thing that people should do when they leave home. You know, the power from the big man upstairs is more powerful than anything on this earth. And that's number one with me. So, but in reality, um, I think that I would just like for people to realize that, hey, no matter what field you're in, no matter what direction your life may be going in, if you've got the positive things around you, if you've got, if you've got the positive attitude about how far you can get with what you're trying to do, it's, it's, it's really a pretty simple equation. It's not a hard thing to do. Just surround yourself with the right people. Surround yourself with the right things that are going to get you there. And I think that's what most people make their mistakes in. They have the wrong things in their lives that's keeping them from being to where they should be. If if more people would just take a step back, like Danny said, step back and look at the real positive part of it and realize the changes that you should make, it's, it will make things so much better for them that way. You know, learn to love more each, each, each other every day. That's the biggest key in this world, man. We, we really need to get back on to doing that. And the only way to do that is to just concentrate more on how things are with this life today. You know, and I have no complaints about my life. I have no complaints about the way things have gone for me, all the mistakes that I've made. You know, I've been able to overcome. You know, I didn't let them keep me down. let me get by the wayside. I think people need to get more strength in doing that, and that will help them get along much better in their life. You know, and that's what I would like to leave with people. There's always a way to get past what you're dealing with. just takes a little time sometimes. We just got to stay with it. That sounds great. Once again, guys, thanks for coming on the show. We will have you back on. Thank you. We'll have both of you guys back on. Like I said, it was a pleasure competing with you guys. I had to do a segment like this because, you know what, it keeps me, uh, you know, we hate to retire, you know, and yeah. to, to sit back and, and reminisce and remember the days when we was on the stage. We we made it shake hands, but we all recognize each other to a degree. Uh, yeah. But – you know, I had to do a, a segment like this, and, and I'm going to keep bringing you guys back on and adding fresh faces on and kind of like do the remnant. I may call it the expendables, but you know what? It's expandable with the mind because you guys definitely have my mind going every time I'm thinking about those good old days. With that said, thank you guys for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Andre the B Show. Tune in for another great episode. 